Alrighty, so we're continuing our sermon series on lead, feed, and protect. Um, a, a shepherd, like a shepherd that has sheep, that's their job. They lead their uh, sheep to water and to food. They, they feed their flocks. They protect their sheep from uh, predators, wolves, or whatever. Another word for shepherd in the Bible is pastor. All right? So a, a pastor's job is to lead, feed, and protect. All right, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says that Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers not to do the work of the ministry, but to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. What I'm saying is it is every believer's job here today to do ministry. That includes shepherding or pastoring. So the message today is, I don't want to, you to just to think that it's the pastor's job to lead, feed, and protect. But it's the pastor's job to help you in the church understand how you can lead, feed, and protect yourself and those around you. Are you with me so far? So today we're going to focus specifically on that feeding aspect and what we can do. When it comes to feeding, um, I was thinking about the small group that we have. And uh, one of the coolest things about the, the the small group Bible study that I am a part of is that every single time we gather together, we have a high and a low, right? And it, you just say the highest part of your week or month or whatever, and then you also share the lowest part. So maybe you got a new job or a promotion or a, something happened. You have to go hiking in the mountains. You, you can share that part. It just helps everybody get to know each other and celebrate cool things with each other. And then you have the low. The low would be, okay, I got laid off my job or I got a flat tire or, um, you know, whatever is problem, uh, whatever's going on in your life. People can share as much as they want. Not all small groups do this, but it's, it's really fun when we get to. So there was a time in my life when every single time we gathered together, um, my low was probably the same thing. Now, this was a couple years ago, uh, and my low was that I had to feed my toddlers, period. That was the low. It, if, you, if you know, you know, okay? But it's taking the tiny little plastic spoon and putting the little green stuff on that's just not solid enough to just stay where it's supposed to go. And it never ends up in the mouth. And it was, I'm serious, like it was my low consistently time after time after time. You know, I pray for these kids. I'm grateful that God gave them to me. And then I just can't stand feeding them. I don't know if you've ever tried to, like, wrestle an oiled pig or something, but it's kind of like that. You know what I mean? It's like, so internally in my mind, I'm, I'm you know, there are words that I'm allow, not allowed to say out loud that come, you know, as I'm trying. But out, out externally, I'm like, here comes the choo-choo train. Here it comes. Open up. Open up. Oh. You know, and then they don't open up, and it's just so difficult. So this is what it's like to feed a toddler. Um, just consistently difficult. Sometimes it's painful, and it's oftentimes very messy. <laughs> but what would I be like as a parent if I said, I just do not feel like feeding my kids today? I really just, there are just days. Anybody with me? It's just like, I don't feel like it. You have to do it anyway, right? I can't just say, all right, Charity, you feed the kids today. I mean, yeah, sure, I'm guilty of that. But... <laughs> But what if she said, I don't want to feed them? Our kids need to be fed. It's the same way 
with the groups of people that I'm going to describe today that need to be fed in our own lives. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. It's oftentimes very difficult. And it can be downright messy in a different sort of way. But it's still vitally important for each one of us to get fed and to feed others. So to help us with this, turn with your Bibles with me to John chapter 6. We're going to look at the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000. All right, so Jesus fed the 5,000 men, but also included, that, that number was the men in pre present, but it also included women and children. So the number was probably closer to 20,000 when you include the whole group of people. But we don't know how many there were. Uh, for time's sake, I'm going to paraphrase this story, but you can read it in its entirety later on. So Jesus just found out that his uh, third cousin, uh, or, or you can call him his cousin, John the Baptist, was martyred, meaning he was murdered for religious reasons. And he's feeling the emotions that come with grief and wanting to get away and take care of himself. He goes to find a place, but then the multitudes of people, the thousands of people, find out where he's going. He had been doing miracles and signs and wonders and all kinds of cool stuff, and they wanted to see this for themselves. So not really giving him much you know, space, they just kept following him. So then Jesus uh, you know, kind of has to shake that off, I guess, and he says to Philip, one of his 12 disciples, he asks, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip kind of knew something about the numbers and whatnot, and he's like, oh, there's really nowhere. We don't have enough money, and there's not enough food if we did have enough money. And so then Simon, excuse me, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, spoke. I mean, he said in verse 9, there's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? And you're probably familiar with the story, but if you're not, let's look and read it together. Verse 11, it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. So let's just open with a word of prayer and ask God to speak directly to our hearts this morning. Father, I thank you for your anointed word of God. And I thank you that it has the power to change our lives and to convict and to challenge and to encourage each person here. Lord, I pray that beyond any words that I could say, Lord, your Holy Spirit speaks directly to every person watching online, every person in this room today, and even the people that will hear about this message uh, after this service is all over. I pray that you would change us and make us new and show us what we are to take away from this passage of Scripture and this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, there are three groups of people that I want to talk about that need to be fed, and we can see all of them here in this passage of Scripture. Number one is that we need to feed yourself. You need to feed yourself. I don't want to just take for granted that we all recognize. I mean, physically, obviously, we get it. This, mood is, this, this um, sermon is not about physical food, all right? Some of it applies, but it's about spiritual food and spiritual growth, most importantly. We'll touch on emotional, mental health, and all that kind of stuff maybe a little bit. But spirit, physically, you feed yourself every day, right? So spiritually, we need to feed ourselves every day also. It might seem like, oh yeah, that's common sense, but listen, you might be surprised at the number of people I offer to pray for, and not necessarily here in this church, but just in general, and I say, hey, can I pray for you? And they might want me to pray, 
but they want me to pray for someone else. They say, oh, no, 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 don't pray for me. I don't, I don't deserve any of the prayers. I'm doing okay. Let's save those prayers for somebody who needs it. Now, time out. I get their heart. And if that's you, I get your heart. And I mean, that's admirable that you care enough about other people. But I'm talking about prayers here. I'm not talking about $100 bills. Just, you know, I'm not like, prayer is unlimited resource. God wants to hear you. In fact, the Bible says in Mark eleven twenty four, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So if somebody says, can I pray for you? Or, you know, I'm like, please pray for me. Like, let's do that. Um, we need to spiritually feed ourselves. I think that's what Jesus was doing when he secluded himself and he said, I need to get away. He does the multitude thing and then eventually he does get away to sort of grieve and to handle the emotional things. He was trying to take care of himself. We can follow Jesus' example and we can also take care of ourselves. And when I'm talking about feeding yourselves, I want to ask this question. What are you feeding yourself? You know, are you feeding yourself good food or food that's not good for you? And that, that applies physically, obviously. Um, but I want to use the physical thing as a metaphor for spiritually what's going on. So physically, what happens is I used to crave, um, and, and, and you, uh, what you eat consistently is what your body will crave. And I used to consistently crave and consistently eat burgers, pizza, and um, fried food. That was like a regular, that was my three food groups of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, <laughs> not in that order. But it seemed like that's what I was eating consistently. I mean, there was a time in my life I went to Burger King at least once a day, five days a week, at least. Okay, so I craved Burger King, which sounds disgusting. No, I don't know. I'll, I'll save my comments about Burger King for after service. But I craved it. That's what I wanted. Then I went to the doctor, and he said, Marcus, your cholesterol is out of control. You need to be put on medicine. And you wouldn't know it by looking at me, but, yep, that's what he said, high cholesterol. So I, I said, I don't want to be on the medicine. What do I have to do? He said, you need to absolutely change your diet and also, of course, exercise. So I did that. And I could tell you exactly what I did, but I don't have time for uh, but it was impressive. And I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start doing cardio. I was doing gym, but not cardio. I'm going to change. I'm going to eat broccoli. I'm going to do all that stuff. Went back a year later, and, and you know, we got the blood drawn and all that kind of stuff. And I said, all right. Now, I'm normally a very humble person, but I, um, I, was, uh, <laughs> I was proud of myself in this moment because I was just kind of like, you know, when you kind of know you did something right. And so I said, tell me, Doc, how is it? And he said, it got worse. <laughs> he said, we need to start you on the medicine. Otherwise, you're going to have a heart attack or a stroke or whatever. Like, it's just genetically, you're just not geared for this lifestyle. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I will do the medicine if that's what you asked me to do. But... This was Charity's idea. Can I have three more months? Just three months. And of course, I'm always getting my cholesterol, you know, checked in January, which is right after Christmas and Thanksgiving. It's just like a bad six weeks for me with my diet. <laughs> and so I was just like, three months? And he said, sure, fine, whatever. You know, three months is good. And so I ramped it up. 
he called me. I went back, got the blood drawn, all that stuff. I came back with the report, and he said, Marcus, you did the impossible. My words, not his, but like, it was something like that. And, um, it was, and he said, you're going in the right direction. Keep doing what you're doing, and it's good. My point in saying all that is this. And, and this, was a, this happened more than just one year, but I started eating salmon and trout and grilled chicken salads. And to some of you, that might not sound tasty, but when, let's say, all of you are like, hey, Marcus, I want to take you out to dinner. And, and it's on me. Get whatever you want. You know, steak or whatever might be the most expensive thing. When I'm going to splurge, like, I'm going to get the big piece of salmon because that's what I crave. We're not going to Burger King if you're buying. We're going to go someplace else because <laughs> that's what it's going to, that's what, that's what I want, right? If, if that's what I'm craving. Am I, am I saying that right? All right. When it comes to spiritual stuff, what you put in is also what you're going to crave. I am not trying to convict you right now. That is the Holy Spirit's job. But I want to ask a couple questions. So what do you do when you're watching TV? Like, what are you watching? Listening to the radio. What are you putting through your, right, your, plug, your earbuds, you know? You're plugging something straight into your brain. What, is, what are the lyrics there? Is it lifting you up? Are you building yourself up spiritually? Think about your form of entertainment on the weekend. I don't know what you do. I don't know what cool people do on the weekend. All I know is what I do, <laughs> okay? And, but if you're feeling convicted and you're thinking, you know what, whatever I did this weekend, that didn't build me up. But if you keep doing that consistently, that's what you're going to crave. And you're going to want to go to that thing that you're feeling. But what if you said, you know what, I've never done something like this before, but I'm going to go to the Finish Line Revival tonight, and I'm going to spend a Sunday night, and I am going to worship God at a racetrack. <laughs> and that might be uncomfortable or different for you, but guess what happens? When you start doing stuff like that, you say, I've never done a, a Tuesday night small group. I'm going to give it a try. And you, th you think, so there's one happening this, excuse me, a week from Tuesday. It's the foundations class. And uh, Amanda's going to be there and Nana's going to be there. And you say, all right, this is the thing. And I'm going to learn the basics of the Bible. Stepping out of your comfort zone, I'm going to guarantee you something. If you consistently do that, that's what you're going to crave. You may not always go to the revival and the racetrack or whatever, but you're going to want to crave what Jesus is doing in your heart and the word, fellowshipping with other people. So you might find yourself, oh, I'm going to go to prayer meeting because I want to be there. I, I, that's important to me. You with me? What you feed is what you will crave. John Maxwell said it like this, the emotion you continually feed is the one that will dominate your life. So what emotions are you feeding? Are you feeding fear and anxiety? When you get hit with bad news, are you quick to call up your friend and start complaining and saying all of the negative things and leave out the part that maybe God is up to something and he's doing something through this? Or are you going to pump up faith and say, you know what, this may have happened, but... And then say, here's what I think God might be doing in it. Are you allowed to have fear? Is fear a natural human reaction? Yes. Look, Psalm 56, 3 says this. When I am afraid, not if, but when I am afraid, I will trust in you. 
in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not fear. I think that fear is a normal, natural, borderline healthy, I think it's kind of healthy a little bit, reaction to situations. God put it there so that we would, if you're not afraid, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not saying that we should be afraid. I'm saying that it's a natural, normal reaction to challenging situations. But what do you do with that fear? Are you going to feed it or are you going to starve it? I'm challenging you to starve that and say, you know what? When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in the Lord. Amen? That's good preaching, if I say so myself. So feed your faith. Feed joy. Feed peace. And last thing I'm going to say about this, feeding yourself. Feed yourself throughout the week, too. I want you to think of this message that I'm preaching to you right now as kind of like a meal. It's a meal that I have prepared over the course of a week. If my mom was in town, she would have started sometime last week preparing a meal for us, for my actual family to eat on Sunday afternoon. On Saturday, she'd do preparation. Saturday night, she'd be doing stuff. Sunday, she'd be working on it. And then we would all eat it and we would enjoy it. All right? That's what many of you do for your families. You go grocery shopping. You pick out the ingredients. That's kind of what I did this week to prepare a message. But imagine only eating once a week. You would starve to death before you got back here next Sunday. Spiritually, that's what we need to do. Now, the meal that, you know, someone prepares for you might be the best meal, and it might be the worst meal of the week. (laughs) but it's still going to give you the nourishment that you need to continue on. Now, when you start preparing meals for yourself, when I first did, I can can remember the first time I made macaroni and cheese. All right? It's the first meal. Okay? Note to self, don't hold the strainer like this when you pour the boiling hot water. Okay? You learn a little bit with experience. All right? The first meal you create, the first Bible study you do by yourself at home it might not be like one of Pastor Mark's messages or the kind of hear, that you hear on TV. It might be a little like, okay, I don't really know what to do with that. But you're learning and you're growing. You might get to the point where your Bible studies on a daily basis are more fulfilling and rewarding than even coming to church on Sunday. But it's all important. My challenge to you is tomorrow morning in some capacity, whether it's the YouVersion Bible app reading one verse of the day, or whether it's opening up your study Bible and spending a lot of time reading, my challenge is to you, you have, you're getting your meal today, but open your Bible in some way tomorrow, even if it's one verse, and say, all right, I'm going to feed myself today because you deserve to be fed. Amen? Amen. So the second group, um, the screen is going to say feed your family, but really what it should say, I didn't think about this till later, uh, was feed others. Because when I said your family, I didn't mean to imply people that are related to you. I really meant to say people that are around you in a relationship sort of way. Okay? But I didn't have time to change the screen. So feed others. And that means your family could be your your spouse or your kids and or your kids, but it also means those that are around you. Jesus saw the 5,000 people coming at him, and he was moved to compassion to fill their stomachs with food. But let's look at what the word says in 26, uh, John 6, 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. 
what Jesus was doing was wanting to fill hungry people with a good meal. But that is not all he was trying to do. All right? Let's make no mistake about it. He had other motives for doing a miracle to feed the 5,000 people. Are you with me? One of the things he was trying to accomplish was to teach his disciples. Do you remember what he said to Philip? He said, I don't even know what I'm going to do, but I'm testing you. I want to see what you want to do with this. And then think about that little boy who came with that food and how he said, all right, you can have everything. He was using this experience as a learning opportunity. And in the same way, I think we need to feed others. Pastors oftentimes go to the hospital, go to weddings, go to funerals, visit people when they come home from the hospital. And if this is an open invitation, in case you didn't know this, if you're ever in that kind of a situation, like a life-changing sort of situation, your marriage is in trouble or whatever, please let us know this is the body. You can let your small group know. You can let the person next to you know. But you can tell the pastors here at the church, we want to know that. And oftentimes, my dad's not on Facebook. My mom's not on Facebook. I'm barely ever on Facebook. So unless Emily happens to see it, we don't know that you're going through something. Oftentimes she sees it and she's like, hey, guess what? So-and-so is in a difficult situation. And then we know. But we need you to tell us. But remember, this message is not just about what a pastor is supposed to do. It's about pastors equipping the saints to do that. So when you are, in, we, I'm trying to encourage you today to pastor those that are around you, to shepherd, to lead, feed, and protect. So if you see somebody, they're going to the hospital, pray for them, visit them. Yes, let us know about that. We care. We want to be there too. But I don't think we need to be the only ones at the funeral. I don't think we need to be the only ones, you know, celebrating when something really good happens, like a baby shower or whatever. We, we are a family. All right? So that's part of... Uh, feeding those that are around you. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, this is Paul talking to Timothy, his apprentice, his spiritual son. Paul says, Entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul is saying, Timothy, I have taught you so much spiritual stuff. You need to pass that on to others that will pass it on to others which is actually why we're here today, because Timothy and several others passed this message on. We need to be doing that today. So ask yourself, what do you have in that realm that you could impact other people with? I want to highlight one more small group. I've I've highlighted a couple, but uh, Lisa, can you wave at us? You know Lisa from playing the keyboard. Uh, Lisa has been given um, influence in commerce and business She's a member of the Chamber of Commerce and a realtor, and she knows lots of people. She's also very gifted when it comes to leadership, Bible, and things like that. And so she is starting a small group that starts this Tuesday downtown at 6.30 p.m. And here's who it's for, women in business. So if you are a woman and you are a business leader, entrepreneur, or you might not be, you might be the owner of the company, but you're in business. You can see Lisa right after church, get some more details, but I've given you everything you already need to know. So two things. One is, just jump into that small group because it's really cool and I think you'd like it. But number two is, what has God given you? Maybe you're not a woman in business. Maybe you're not a business leader, but maybe you have something else to offer. Those that are around you, make disciples. Take whatever God has put in your hands and say, all right, I'm going to use this to help people around me. Here's one practical way that you can help people around you. 
this is, this is the last part of this little section. I want to point this out. When I was a kid growing up in, in your pastor's home, uh, my dad, Pastor Mark, he was, a, he was a business leader, and he was in sales for a national moving company. And I, this is my memory. I don't know how. I think it's fairly accurate. He could correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, this is like a memory that's just instilled in me. Every morning, I would wake up, go to the kitchen to get breakfast, and there's my dad. He's wearing a black suit, white button-up shirt, and a tie. That's just how he went to work every single day. And he, he was standing next to the kitchen sink with his Bible, just laid open, kind of like reading his Bible. I'd come in. I'd probably interrupt him, try to do something. He's just trying to have his time. With me. I don't know why he was standing and not sitting. I don't know why he was by the kitchen sink. But every day, I would see that consistently day after day. Now, fast forward 20 years or so, and here I am, and I've got two kids, and I want to do, you know, my Bible time in the morning, and I don't like to wear a suit and tie to work. I don't stand by the kitchen sink, but I've got a nice little love seat with windows that go to the backyard, and you can see the trees and whatnot. It's kind of pretty, and so that's where I like to sit. I like to open up my Bible, and every morning, I like to read it, and guess what happens? My kids they like to wake up and they're like, hey, Daddy, can you come see this? Hey, I want you to do this. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? You know, I say, yes, I mean, you're important. We're going to get to that. But right now, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm spending my time with the Lord. I had an idea. I could probably get away with this, too. Go downstairs to the basement. Shut the door. <laughs> they might not even know that I'm awake. But they would miss the opportunity to see their father consistently every day reading the word of God, praying before the Lord. So I thought what my dad may have done unintentionally, I'm going to learn from him and I'm going to say, I'm going to intentionally go ahead and let my kids interrupt me just so that maybe one day, 20 years from now or longer, I don't know, hopefully longer, my kids are reading their Bibles, and their kids are interrupting them. And it'll be them teaching. By example, that's my point, is that people will see in you your example, and that'll mean so much more than you just telling them what to do. You could tell everybody, read your Bible, you should do it. But when someone sees you reading your Bible day after day, they might actually say, yeah, I do think that he means, he means that. That's important to him. So that's one way that you can feed others, feed your family, or feed the people that are around you. Let's jump now to the last group, and that is feeding the multitudes. Verse 27 said, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. So again, this story is kind of about food. But that's really the last thing that it's about. The story is not about food. It's about spiritual life in Christ. And that is what we are encouraged to share with the multitudes. Let's look back at what Andrew said about the food that the young boy brought before the Lord. He said, what good is this? What good is that with this huge crowd? In our hands, something insignificant could be a, a miracle if it was placed in the master's hands. What I'm saying is, 
when we take the insignificant thing that we have been given and give it over to Jesus, it becomes something incredible and miraculous. You might think to yourself, sure, I've got a calling of God. I want to do things for him, but I, I don't even know where to start. I don't have the time. I don't, there are three areas. There's time, there's talent, and there's your treasure or finances. And you might say, you know what? I don't have a whole lot to give. I can't, I can't really do a whole lot. I, sometimes you just got to take what you have and then make the most out of it and watch God do the best. A cute little story. Um, a few weeks ago, we, there was like some strong storms came through and knocked the power out at our house. I think we were like three days without power, give or take. And so we couldn't use the milk because like, we had to keep the fridge closed. So, you know, like, get on with the fridges. And we, uh, I was like, I don't know how to make food. What else do you eat? You know, every day I have oatmeal because I have to lower the cholesterol. That's what the doctor said. <laughs> I've been doing it. And so what do we do? I can't turn the stove on. The microwave doesn't work. And so I said, well, what do we have? Guess what? We have a propane grill in the backyard. So I went down the steps, out the back door, grabbed my little pot, and I put it on the little burner on the side with the oatmeal in it, and I made the oatmeal outside. It wasn't quite right. And it was, this was the first day of school. We had to get up at 6 a.m. I don't like getting up at 6 a.m. And we had to get everything ready for this. We didn't want the kids to be late. We got to take the first day pictures and all that stuff. And it was like, all right, we, we made our oatmeal and we made it work. To this day, Sayla keeps asking for, she's like, Daddy, can we have grilled oatmeal again? She's like, <laughs> she thinks it's the best. She, she, we, we like to grill our oatmeal on special occasions <laughs> at our house. But it works because it's what we had. Sometimes you just have to take what you have and present that to the Lord. What do you have? Maybe you have a great smile. And you think, I don't have time. I don't have extra cash. I'm not uniquely gifted, even though you probably are, even if you don't admit it. But you've got a great smile. And you say, you know what? And I've got one hour a month where I can come to church and I can be a greeter. Let me tell you this. There are people in this community, and you may be here today. So I'm speaking to you as well. But there are people that say, I don't really know that church is a place for me because I don't know that I really belong there. We got a message on Facebook yesterday. I actually saw that one. And it said something about, oh, so-and-so went to a church and they didn't feel like they belonged. I wonder if they might fit in at your church. Um, well, if you are a greeter and you smile and you make every single person feel welcome when they walk in the door, regardless of anything about them, then guess what? You're taking the little thing that you feel like is insignificant in your life, which is a smile and a handshake, and you could literally be using that. God could use that to make, do a miracle in somebody's life that walks in this church and you make them feel welcome. Their whole world could change. Amen? You might say, the best thing in this world that I can offer as far as talents or ability is that I'm a really good mom. And that's, the, that's, that's your thing. And you're like, I can't sing like Miss Janie. I don't play the drums. You don't want me running the sound. I've never used a computer. I don't know what I can do. Guess what? With our new children's ministry, you say, I'm a good parent. I, can, I know how to change diapers. I know how to do this. You volunteering down there could be insignificant in your mind. 
But think about the parent that comes in that can release their children into a safe, healthy environment, and now they can be undistracted for an hour or an hour and a half, and they can hear the word of God. Maybe that woman or man's life is going to be changed at the end of the service. You played a huge part in that. Amen? Here's one for you. You might be thinking, I would like and I, would, I want to change the culture in this country. Maybe you're sitting in your seat this morning and you think, I don't really like the direction that it's going. There's just so much happening and I don't even know how to begin. You might think, I'm not a politician. I'm not a, a teacher. I, I'm not um, a business leader. Like, I don't know. I just, if you want to change the culture, you can take the little that God has given to you. Listen to me. When you say, I'm going to teach the children in, in Sunday school at the second service at, at Grace Kids, that's how you change the culture. Because you might feel like you don't have the capacity to change the world, but there are a group of world changers that are sitting downstairs. You have the opportunity to shape the way that they will change the world. It's going to be positive or it's going to be negative. And if you choose to interject your godly influence into their lives, you could literally make an impact in their lives that will undoubtedly change this community tomorrow and the rest of this nation forever. Amen? Amen. I believe it. So volunteer to help in the children's ministry or things like that. Here's one last way that you can impact and influence the multitudes. Um, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and for somebody to tell Drew and Emily to hurry up because they're downstairs in their class. <laughs> it's coming to a close. <laughs> we don't have a guitar. Chris, just get going on it whenever you get a chance. Sorry. Here's one more way. Here's one more way that you say, all right, I'll feed the multitudes if I knew how, but what I have is so little, it's so insignificant. What about when you're on social media? What about when you, I'm not just talking about posts that go viral and thousands of people see them, although that's certainly an aspect of this, but you are being a light into your community, into your workplace. You, in, in person, you are trying to, shine the light of Jesus Christ when you're at work. But it's possible that your coworkers follow you on social media and they see your real thoughts behind the scenes. And they see whether you complain and have fear or whether you praise God and have faith. So what you're doing at lunch when you're talking to them tomorrow afternoon is one thing, but they're gonna see, does this person's life line up online just like it does with what they're inviting me to church, they're telling me these things. Well, I, maybe, maybe this happened to you. Something bad happened at work and you could go online and you could really tell about it. Or you could be positive and you could say, you know what, God's got this. I'm not gonna tear down anybody. I'm not gonna do anything negative like that. I'm just gonna keep marching on, keep doing what God's called me to do. When it comes to finances, I already kind of preached on this a little bit during the tithe time. But we talk about the boy that has five loaves and two fish. And that was really insignificant in his own hands to try to feed a multitude of people. Maybe this week you got paid $52 and you come to church on Sunday morning with your tithe, your $5.20. I'm doing the math right. And you think, wow, how insignificant could this be in your own hands? And true. 
if you just tried to spend $5.20, you can get a stick of gum after all the inflation. It's insignificant, you can't do much. You can't go to Burger King for $5.20 anymore. That's for sure, prices have gone up. I wouldn't know that though. I'm a salmon guy. But, but when you take that, whatever it is, that tithe, and you say, I'm gonna put this in God's hands, all of a sudden you see miracles happen. The miracles start in your own life. You can see that, okay, money doesn't control you anymore. You're willing to be obedient to God, even when you only have a little. And let me guarantee this to you as well. If you say, all right, I'm making very little, but I'm gonna tithe, then one day you're gonna be making a whole lot and God is gonna say, I'm gonna trust you with increase and promotion and blessings because I know that it's going to good soil. I know that you can be faithful with what I'm giving you. And it's never too late to start. You say, oh, I've got shame. I didn't do it right last week. Start today and say, I'm going to live in the blessings of God. You might think, oh, but what, what's the church gonna do with that? Don't think that way. Think, what's God gonna do with that? If he can take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 men and their families, then what can he do with your gift today? Not just financial gift, but every gift that you bring, your time, your talent, and your treasures. Can you stand with me today? I want to remind you that in the word of God, Jesus said, you don't have to have a lot to make a big difference. He said, if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. David had a slingshot, but he killed Goliath. Gideon had a handful of men, but he overthrew armies. Joshua had a trumpet and he had a torch and walls came falling down. I don't know what you have today, but you can bring it before the Lord and he can make miracles out of it. You might say, I have nothing. I got laid off my job. I don't have a single dollar to my name. I don't have any time. I'm he said, do you have breath in your lungs? Because the Lord says that everything that has breath, let it praise the Lord. Don't let the enemy silence your praise. You might be in the worst situation of your life, and the enemy is trying to get you to focus on that problem. But I dare you today to focus on the solution and to say, if all I have left is the voice in my lungs, I'm going to give God praise with every breath. And if that's all you have to offer, then give him 110% and say, God, I'm giving you everything. That's what the boy did. I want to I want to go into a time of reflection here. And I want you to at least walk away with just maybe just one takeaway. Is it for you to feed yourself? I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I feed myself this week? Maybe it's a, a 10 minute walk while you're praying before the Lord. Can I admit something kind of embarrassing? There are days, and, and more so not right now, but in the past, I felt like if I don't pray for an hour today, that that's not enough. And if I don't read my Bible above and beyond that hour that I spent in prayer, that I'm just missing the mark. And so there were days that I would just not pray because I felt like, well, there, I don't have enough time to pray today. But what if you said, I'm going to be faithful with what time I do have? Yeah, sure. Carve out an hour if you can. What if you said, I only have 10 minutes today? What if you set a timer on your phone and you, for five minutes, you walked out your front door 
and you just were praying and walking away from your house for five minutes. The alarm goes off, you turn it off and you turn around and you take five more minutes and you walk back to your house. And you said, I'm just gonna take that 10 minutes because I deserve to be spiritually fed today. Somebody else can watch the kids for a few minutes. The important deadline can wait for 10 minutes. I'm gonna prioritize that. And my goal for you would be that that would grow and that that time of the, with the Lord would just grow. But how can you feed yourself? Is it opening up your Bible? Is it reading one verse tomorrow? Ask the Lord this, how can I feed others? Is it reading your Bible in front of your kids? Is there one person this month that you can say, hey, would you join me for coffee? I wanna take you out and get a cup of coffee because you wanna invest in that person's life. Maybe they are feeling discouraged. Maybe, maybe they're a new believer and they need to be discipled. Maybe you just wanna grow in the body of Christ. I wanna feed others. What's one way that you can do that? Could you join hands with your spouse? You know, tomorrow morning before one of you leaves to go to the gym or go to the work, uh, go to your job, could you just hold their hand and say, hey, let's pray together real quick before I go. I've got a, a big project at work or whatever it is. And just say, God, we're gonna give this day to you. Just hold their hands and say, God, we're giving this day to you. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes or, or 10 minutes of prayer. It could be one minute of prayer. But you're saying, God, you're the center of our relationship. Is that could, how could you feed others? And then lastly, ask the Lord this. How can I feed the multitudes around me? What needs to change in me? Should I volunteer for a ministry here at church? You can just see me afterwards. I'll help you with that. Could I support the missions at our church? Because when you give to this church and we support the ministry in Nicaragua and in Haiti, you are feeding children physically because we're doing that through nonprofits that are Christians, they're also being fed spiritually. You could feed the multitudes by doing that. Sharing is encouraging social media posts, whatever it is. Just take a deep breath, close your eyes, and just ask the Lord, what's the one thing I can do today, this week, this month? Have an action step. close with one more scripture verse and it comes from John chapter 6 like, the, like we've been reading but it's verse 35 it says Jesus replied I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never be hungry again whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again I talked a lot about feeding others feeding the multitudes feeding yourself but there is one that will feed you and it's not food it is eternal life Jesus calls himself the bread of life because bread, like, let's just alternate that for food. It's like he is the food sustains us physically. Without food, we die. Jesus sustains us and brings us new life spiritually. Without Jesus, we are separate from God forever. I want to give you an invitation today to receive Jesus Christ as the bread of life. I want to invite you to make him your Lord and Savior today. In just a moment of contemplation, could you bow your heads and close your eyes? Think about these words. God loves you so much that nothing could ever separate you from his love. Even the wrong things that we do, the Bible calls that sin, even sin can't separate us from God's love. It did, however, separate us from God spiritually. 
So much so that God said, I don't want to be separate or separated from you for eternity. I'm going to send my own son. Literally, God became flesh, moved into our neighborhood, and his name is Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus was never separated from God because Jesus never sinned. Jesus didn't deserve to be punished for anything, but yet he died on the cross. His hands and his feet were nailed to the cross. His back was whipped and destroyed to where he was unrecognizable. There was a crown of thorns placed on his head in the most graphic and gruesome way possible. He literally died and he bled out for us. Not because he deserved it, but because God sent Jesus, his son, to step in our way so that we wouldn't have to absolve the, the wrath of God. Instead, Jesus took that wrath upon himself so that we could have freedom, victory, peace, forgiveness, and salvation. Jesus says, if you just believe, then you'll have eternal life. Would you just ask God today to forgive you of your sins and make the decision to live for God, then you'll have eternal life that Jesus provided for you on the cross. He rose from the dead. He proved that he's more powerful than sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he says, this gift is for anyone who believes. Or if you say, nope, I don't want to have a relationship with God. I don't want to have that communion or knowledge or partnership with him. I choose to live my eternity without God. Then you are choosing to live a life that would be receiving the punishment that you don't deserve, that Jesus took, but you're saying, all right, eternity in hell for those who say, I, I wanna live separate from God. Why not say, God, I want you to make me new. Why don't you say, God, I wanna live for you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just wanna know, is there anybody here today that says, today, I wanna make a decision to live for God. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I want to know that when I die, I'm going to be with God for eternity in a place called heaven instead of separated from God forever in a place called hell. If that's you today, I want you just to raise your hand up nice and high. And I want to, thank you for the hands going up. I want to just say a simple prayer with you. Is there anybody else that says, I want to know today that my life is for God. I'm not saying your life is going to be easy. I am saying that your life is going to be meaningful, filled with purpose, and surrender to God, knowing that He's got you. If you raised your hand today, or even if you didn't, would you repeat this simple prayer after me and say, Dear God, everybody together, just nice and loud, say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you give each other a great big hand clap to welcome those into the kingdom of God? Right now, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you made a decision and your name is being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There, that connection card that I mentioned for the first-timers, if you made that decision today, put your information on that, 
and check the box that says, today I gave my life to Christ. Drop it off at the VIP booth. I wanna meet you. I wanna help you get plugged in and get those next steps with Christ. We're going to sing one more song and then Emily's gonna close us in a word of prayer. God bless you.
for Marcus. What a great message. Um, my takeaway was um, make sure you feed yourself spiritually because you can't share with others from an empty plate. Um, so make sure your plate has stuff on it before you try to give it to others because if you're feeding from an empty plate, you're not actually helping them. <laughs> so feed yourself spiritually if you want to pour into your children's lives make sure you're pouring into your own life too. Um, if you want to pour into your friends' lives, same thing. Um, so a good way you can do that is join a small group at Grace Church. Um, it's a good community to get around people and have encouragement and have people to go through trials with you. I know our small group has been an incredible blessing in our lives. So I encourage you, check out a small group, ask Marcus what kind of small group you can join. It's worth it, I promise. So uh, let's close in prayer. Thank you all for coming to Grace Church today. Dear God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for each and every person who came out today, God. Um, I pray that today that we got spiritually fed, Father, so that we can go out and pour into others, pour into our family, pour into our friends, God. So I pray that you would go with us this week, Father. Give us words to speak um, of encouragement to others around us and help us to have a great week and bring us all back next week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.